welcome to episode 35 of the Sports on Point podcast. I am your host, Matthew Smith, joined on the line, as always, by the phenom, Mr. Bob Williams. How's it going, guys? And, of course, the guy pressing the buttons, Mr. Pod Severns. Hello, welcome to the show. We have a good time for you. So it's 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 January 11, 2011. Yes, it's one 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 one. And you know, in just a, a short little while, it'll be 11 11 p.m. Oh wow! So you're right. How, how are we going to celebrate, guys? I think the first thing I'm going to do is build my time machine and go back in time to 1942 and invest in I don't know. I was going to try to think of something funny, but it just didn't come out. Hmm. I have that problem a lot. I'm going to go and so, bank, invent ho-hos. Go and invent... I think you'd have to go back to for, farther than 42 for that. Yeah, you're probably right. So we are in We are in full NFL playoff swing. Playoff swings. Playoff swing. That's right, baby. Yes. And we are heading into the divisional rounds this coming week. But uh, I got to tell you guys, I got a little bit of a problem with the way that the seeding went down in the first round, and I think I'm not alone. We had a team with a losing record in the playoffs, as we all know, the Seattle Seahawks, who made the playoffs at a lousy 7-9 and record, but yet got to host the defending Super Bowl champs, the team tied for the second-best record in the entire NFC, and they're hosting them in one of the toughest home venues in all of the National Football League. Where's the justice here? I don't think anything makes sense right now. You, you have to go back to the, the archaic style of uh, divisional setups where the division champs, no matter their record, gets the higher seed uh, than, than the wild card. You know, it, it sort of makes sense when you have a level playing field when all of the divisions are putting up their bar- end of the bargain. The NFC West this year decided to uh, run amok on the NFL, and somehow this is what happened. You know, it's more of an oddity than, than a, a, a normal occurrence. So I, I don't know how, how how do you how do we fix this, Matt? It, or you know do what, we, can we fix it? Well, I, I, I think the way that you have to fix it is the NFL has to realize that divisions mean nothing. Being the best team in your division means absolutely nothing. When you are doing a playoff that's based on divisions, then fine, if you win your division, you get a higher seed. But playoffs aren't based on divisions, they're based on conferences. All of your playoff seeding should be based on your placing in the conference. It should have nothing to do with your divisions. And I think until the NFL realizes that we're going to have these types of matchups, maybe not to this extent. I to be, I mean, to be completely and totally, uh, you know, transparent on this whole thing. There's not a single matchup that happened on Wild Card Weekend this weekend that should have been happening the way that it was. I mean, you look at uh, you look at Philadelphia and Green Bay. They finished the season with the same exact record. Green Bay did not win their division. Philly did. Philly has home field advantage. But when you talk about two teams with the same record, what's the number one tiebreaker? Head-to-head. These two teams played head-to-head. Green Bay won. Green Bay should have been playing that game at home. Baltimore 12-4, and traveling to 10-6 and Kansas City. Probably shouldn't be happening. 11-5 and New York Jets, traveling to 10-6 and Indianapolis. Probably shouldn't be happening. 
So obviously there's a failure here because success in the regular season is not being rewarded as much as you know playing in a weak division. If I'm John, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, heck yeah, I'm signing up for the 49ers. I want to be able to make that eight and eight team and get the roster and get home, you know, get the get the playoff spot and get home field advantage in the playoffs. Why not? See, I, again, we I, I think the biggest thing is we have to take a step back and look at the overall picture, like. It, the, the, I, I know it, it had happened this year. What what was it last year? You know, uh, year in and year out, you're going to have some inconsistencies with this actual platform. But when you, when you when you get down to it, other than probably NCAA basketball, what's a, what's a better playoff format? No, the the number of teams is fine. The wild card format is fine. Just the seating that's messed up, and and to be fair, okay, yeah, so maybe it doesn't cause a huge mismatch like we saw this year, where the second best conference record is going against the seven nine team in their place. Maybe that doesn't happen every year, but you have to admit that that's wrong. That scenario is wrong. It should never happen, and because the rules can be changed and not make it unfair by giving the higher, you know, the better record, the higher seed in the playoffs. Why not fix it? Then you never have to worry about it ever again. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, Matt. This past weekend when I was watching the games, I kind of felt, like you said, almost every single game, I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is an injustice. This shouldn't be this way. You know, these these teams play very, um, you know, especially like I'm looking at the Ravens. And they, you know, the AFC North is like one of the toughest conferences, although the Browns record doesn't show anything. They, ha- they held their own against some uh, tough teams and even against, you know, the Steelers in Baltimore when they played them a couple times, except for the last game of the season. Um, and I'm thinking Baltimore, with how they played, with how they fared within that division and in all their other games, how do they deserve to go down to Kansas City? I just... Baltimore had the third best record in the entire NFL. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of understand, Phenom, I kind of understand where you're coming from, that it doesn't really cause a big issue every year. But my point, I guess, is it doesn't ever have to cause an issue. If you do it by the rankings and by the by the conference rankings instead of the division rankings, then it's never an issue. And sure, give Seattle a playoff spot because they won their division. I'm okay with that. I still think it's a little bit archaic to even count divisions. But, hey, if you want to give them a playoff spot – I'm fine with that. But okay, home field I, advantage is a farce. Okay. I, I think that was my biggest thing going into it is if you're having these divisions set up, uh, the possibility of someone getting left out if they if the 7-9 and nine Seattle Seahawks, say this year, got completely left out, yet they won their division. So I, I, I'm not saying that, hey, look, the, the, the system's perfect by any means, but uh, since they have these divisions – the only other thing that I can think of possibly doing is probably changing the divisions up a little bit. Uh, I, I know the f- the four team divisions are, are a little different of a, of a format, but you know we could always switch it up to where you have eight teams and hey, look, there's seven. You play each other once, and then everyone else goes back at it. You know, I I, I get the divisions are supposed to be there to give you a little bit more familiar familiar. Yeah, I can't speak. <laughs> give you uh, rivalries and your familiar opponents, but you're kind of stuck with it with, with, with they, the way they have it set up, that you're going to have a division winner who's, who's like Seattle this year who sneaks into the playoffs. 
Well, all things being said, I think uh, I think we can all rightfully agree that the NFL's postseason predicament is a lot less uh, uh, stupid than that of than that in the world of college football. Of course, we had the national championship game the two vaunted offenses the auburn tigers versus the oregon ducks matching up on a primetime in a, a you know ncaa championship matchup on uh monday night and all in all i don't think we really got what we paid for in this in this matchup we had we had two teams that had, had not played a game of football in 37 days We've got a team in Oregon who averages 286 yards in rushing per game, and they were able to key off a whole 75. You had a guy named Cam Newton who did not look like a Heisman candidate quarterback, you know, not not even considering the fact that he was a runaway Heisman winner. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, just for my peace of mind, what good we get out of 37-day layoffs. Nothing. Nothing at all. I guess it gives the uh, the bull people what they want, what, what they want um, just based on the fact that, hey, look, we get to delay some of these games and, and have almost a game, you know, every night at least. And it, it puts all this hula and, and hype and everything into these games. But yeah, the, definitely the product's a little fizzled down. Did you I say hula? I said hula. Oh, or not hula. I don't hoopla. know. I like hula. Okay. I like hula though. I'm gonna start using that. Hula. Uh, but when you think about it, okay, Matt or Bob, you guys don't work for 40, 41 days or 37 days. You go back to work. How are you gonna perform? Poorly. Yeah, and I think that's to say the least. I'd like to give it a try though. Yeah, I would like to give that a try Try as well. You know, what, I think you guys asked one question, what do they gain? And I think, in my opinion, the only thing they gain is television ratings. The uh, bowl season is set up so that it happens around the time where people are at home, they're sharing time with their families, and they're going to sit around on the television watching football. The we- strange thing, in my opinion, though, is that this particular game, the championship game, always happens when everybody's going back to work. They're in a funk so it's not just the teams being off for 37 days but just people in general are in a funk they're like okay the holidays are over we're going back to work um i don't know i mean that's that kind of always bugged me that the championship game always happened the second week in january yeah i think that um you know obviously that that's kind of something that came together when they added the whole and one bowl game for the championship game instead of keeping it in the context of the current bowls that we have and and i i think that that's something that we knew was coming was it was going to add an additional week to the layoffs for teams like ohio state who end their end their season a week earlier than a lot of other teams and uh in the past obviously that'll that'll change coming up next year with the big 10 championship game but um it, it can sometimes be even worse than a 37 day layoff and it's and it's it's pretty much unforgivable in my opinion all you know all the last month and a half this championship game has been built up to be this offensive juggernaut 
you know, two offensive juggernauts just duking it out, averaging 41 and 46 points a game apiece. And what we ended up was a 19 to 22 performance. The, the Auburn defense had apparently been studying Oregon's offense for the last 37 days relentlessly and, and, uh, and defended as if they had been. And, and like I said, Cam Newton really just did not look like a Heisman quality quarterback. We had no points throughout the entire first quarter. And, and in the second half, there were only three points in the third and first half of the fourth quarter before the scoring kind of poured in at the end. So all in all, I think the quality of the game is definitely suffered by the 37 day layoffs. But more than that, I, I think from us, from a television rating standpoint, if we had these teams playing, you know, obviously I'm going to say the buzzword and we're going to get the nice little peewees playhouse buzzword sound effects. When, when, when we talk about having a playoff playoffs, playoffs. Yeah. When we talk about having a playoff in college football, we'd be looking at these teams, maybe missing a week, playing a game, missing another week, playing a game, missing another week, playing a game. We're still finishing the season roughly around the same time, but these guys are staying fresh because they've got an extra week to prepare for every game, but that's it. And they're staying fresh. They're playing more games. And Hey, guess what? When you have three games, instead of just one, you get more money. Yeah, it, it's funny that we're talking about the 37-day 30, layoff. Uh, like Matt was saying, the playoff, we wouldn't have those layoffs. And I, I think the players, yeah, they, they like the rest, but when you think about it, they, they'd probably like to keep on playing right through because that, that layoff has to be a, a pain. Uh, but 37 days isn't, isn't even the 51 days that some, you know, like Ohio State, like Matt mentioned earlier, had in previous years. So... This whole idea of having having layoffs just seems uh, a little ridiculous in this modern age. Where okay, I, I, I can understand back in the day. Hey, we're going on a bus. It takes us a, you know a day to get there, a day to recoup, day to get settled in. But not when you can fly across the country, have a day to go, and then boom, go. You know, I understand that these are supposed to be a, a little bit better of uh, almost like a, a vacation for these kids, but. You're there to play football, not not to really have that great of a time. You know, you're not going to go vacationing. We're not <laughs> we're not Miami or Notre Dame trying to cross the border and in, into Mexico and get shot up in the drug lord capital of the world. But I, I don't understand the layoffs. I think one thing maybe we're failing to uh, remember here is the fact that the layoff does happen to around college semesters. And that ultimately there's a small vacation for the for the winter holidays um, between college semesters. And if we think about a playoffs where we're doing something where we're playing during that time, um, I think we often forget that these they're not professional athletes. They're not paid to do this. So ultimately, if we remove their Christmas breaks from them, that I don't necessarily see that as fair. So I'm not offering a suggestion that'll make anything better, but at the same time, I don't necessarily think that we can expect these guys during break time or vacation time from school, which ultimately they, you know, if they're really doing school, they probably need a little bit of a vacation. I honestly believe the players would love it and they would eat it up every second of it. 
you got to talk about you're taking them away from their vacation to send them on a different vacation. They're going to California. They're going to sure they're playing a football game while they're there. But, you know, we, we got we got Troy Smith tweeting about, uh, you know, in and out burger and all that other stuff. So I'm not too concerned about the kids not having a good time. Well, and we, well, we see that from we see that from the, uh, you know, the major schools out there. But there are a lot of schools that are going to, you know, that maybe don't have the vaunted. um football programs that are going to be specifically encouraging time home with family, time away from sports and that sort of thing. So, I mean, ultimately we can get stuck looking at who are the big players and probably say, yeah, these these guys would probably love it and eat it up. But we have to remember there's how many hundred teams in college football, not just the premier teams. Uh, you could give them a week, you know, give them, give them the week, three or four days before Christmas, three or four days after Christmas to spend time with their family. So that means before Christmas, you, you get them in, you, you, you'll, you'll let them play a game. But then we wouldn't have our Christmas and New Year's games, though. You can extend, if, if you're talking about a true playoff, which is a 16-team playoff, you're going to have more weeks than... than <laughs> Then through that, so you can still have your games on New Year's Day and New Year's Eve. It's just a matter of being able to schedule it so these kids don't have these layoffs. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think we're ever going to get rid of all of the bowl games. I mean, after all, there's like fifty eight thousand of them at the moment, so I think there'd still be some bowl games. And I actually am more in favor personally of an eight team playoff where you've got eight teams and you're not worried about those hundred and some however many schools because guess what they're not making it into the eight-team playoff. They can still play in their little chintzy bowl games here and there, the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl and the Meineke Car Care Bowl. Who gives a crap about all that? But uh, let's let's make the big teams play in a playoff. Let's, let's put them through the ringers. Let's get entertaining football games on television every other week throughout the holiday season, and uh, the world will be a much happier place. In fact, I'm not sure what we'll talk about on this podcast if that ever happens. Probably about how the seedings aren't right. Just like the playoffs <laughs> or the NFL. I thought maybe we would talk about Texas's upcoming TV network. We could talk about Texas's upcoming TV network. I mean, after all, the 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 whole bowl system that we're talking about now is all based on TV ratings. So, uh, you know, uh, Texas's ability to negotiate their own television network was a key factor in them. Uh, signing back to join the Big 12 and, of course, um, therefore saving the Big 12. What's going on in the world of Texas television, Bob? Well, back in October, there was a lot of uh, rumors coming out of uh, Austin down there that it, it looked like Fox, uh, the, the the guys who set up the, the new Pac-12 network and the uh, Big 10 network to have the uh, in, inside track there, uh, we just... Uh, a day or two ago, articles uh, just surfaced about how ESPN uh, seems to be closing in on a deal that would uh, have them another uh, lucrative brand under their branch uh, to, to follow up their their uh, SEC network or or being able to uh, broadcast them. So this this is big e- either way you go. Uh, especially in the the revenue or market of the NCAA as, as we have it right now. 
The thing that I found kind of kind of interesting is is reading the articles back from October and and the more recent articles. I, I saw some articles saying that the Fox offer was going to pay roughly around three million a season to the University of Texas, and ESPN's offer could be paying up as much as ten million dollars a year. Um, which hey, I'm, uh, if I'm Texas, I'm not stupid. That's a seven million dollar a year difference, and, and if those numbers are real, which I kind of doubt they are, but if those numbers are real. It seems like it's a no-brainer to, to side with the guys who are getting more than double your paycheck. Yeah, I, I, no, I definitely agree with that. Who, who's not going to take more money in that situation? I, I, I know in, in the article they're talking about one game uh, being able to be broadcast on ESPN football-wise. Uh, I think three or four on the uh, the basketball size, and, and this was definitely more than what uh, Fox had projected uh, in one of their three. Uh, Fox Sports uh, programs. So uh, again, they're getting their product out there a, a little bit more, even in the uh, ESPN deal. For me, what I like the most uh, about this whole—I'm going to call it an arms race for for conferences—is you're getting you're getting to the point where we saw it this the spring, where conferences are aligning, you know, trying to get the best that teams that they can in their divisions well now you're seeing it in the <laughs> in tv land where you're trying to get fox and espn and, and I, I want this to to stay there i want there to be a good rivalry i want there to be a, a fox sports or or an espn you know two sides to every story i i don't want it to be some sort of huge megalomart or walmart type conglomerate in, in ncaa football no, I agree completely. The the one thing I'm kind of curious to know is if we're going to have the same um, the same carriage problems that we had with the Big Ten Network when it first launched. Are we going to see you know uh, shirt sleeves rolled up to the elbows at Comcast fighting with the guys at the Texas Network about whether or not they need to include it in a a la carte package or if it's going to be part of the basic cable package or blah blah blah. I can't I can't wait to see all the stories that come up about that when this when this network actually launches, but. I think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head, though. Uh, having some diversity, having some uh, balance between the, what appear to be the two heavyweights in sports television, ESPN and Fox, is important. Um, when when ESPN feels like they have too much of a market share, we end up with television disasters and media, I should say laughable media coverage like what happened with the decision back in July. It's it's something that uh, it's something that needs to be monitored probably a little bit more closely than we, ha- than we have. I think uh, some of these guys are getting away with some sensationalism and uh, allowing ESPN or Fox to gobble up all of these conference networks could just uh, uh, increase and boost all of that to an extent that uh, I'm just not comfortable with. Speaking of uh, other things I'm not comfortable with, the state up north, uh, <laughs> we, did <laughs> we did finally find out that uh, Michigan hired Brady Hoke today. Brady Hoke, Brady who Hoke. some might be saying. Who? Matt, you know Brady Hoke, don't you? Brady Hoke, of course, the the head coach, well, up until today, was the head coach of the San Diego State Aztecs. Uh, led them to a 9-4 and four record this season, won their bowl game. Not too bad. Not exactly the big name that Michigan was looking to land with his coaching search for certain. I kind of I kind of have gone through this and, and I've seen what's been going on. Obviously, they had the uh, 
obligatory interest in Jim Harbaugh. Uh, supposedly talks were in the works and they were pretty close to signing a deal, but that fell through for whatever the reason might be. And then, and then Les Miles was the recent uh, coach of the day. And of course, those talks kind of fell through. And Brady Hoke is where they landed. Kind of an unfortunate situation when you consider that Brady Hoke expressed interest in the job before they were even talking to Jim Harbaugh, had said he was interested in it a long time ago. So if you're Brady Hoke and you're stepping into this position, um, sure, you're happy because it was the job you wanted, but you got to kind of feel a little bit of disappointment because they had to go through every other available option before they got to you. Uh, yes and no. Uh, I, I could understand if he, he was a uh, guy who uh, didn't have any ties to the uh, to the university. He's not a big name guy. Not, not saying that's a bad thing at all. You know, he succeeded at San Diego State in a quick turnaround. He by far did a great job at Ball State a few years back. But you know, this this is a guy who this is this this would be his dream job. You know, not saying that Les Miles or Harbaugh wouldn't want to coach there, but, you know, they have other options, other interests. And we were talking a little bit before we recorded this, Matt, that this this just seemed like it was eventually going to happen anyways. So, yeah, we were throwing all these other big names out there, but you sort of knew that Brady Hoke was going to be that guy that he was going to be there at Michigan. Or that's the way I felt. Yeah, and you know what? To be to be fair, I mean, I think that Brady Hoke has the potential to be a guy in Michigan, like uh, you know, like you know, Gene Chizik was down in Auburn. Uh, I don't know how much of a fluke this season has been with Cam Newton or not, but obviously at this point in time, you cannot uh, you cannot really question the hiring of Gene Chizik, although we were very quick to do so when it happened. But uh, you know, you could also point at Jim Tressel, who didn't have any Division One head coaching experience before he took the job at Ohio State. All those are things that you can look at, but there's also a lot of situations where those coaches haven't worked out. Brady Hoke's track record, I think, is a bit promising, and and I think you nailed it right on the head when you talk about a guy like Les Miles, who's who's been coaching in the SEC. He has he has been in the middle of the the most passionate conference football fan base there is in this entire nation and the probably most highly competitive football base there is in this nation so moving uh moving to the university of michigan wouldn't i in my opinion wouldn't even be a lateral move it's almost a step back for him um and and of course jim harbaugh's guy with with nfl aspirations even if you bring him on at the university of michigan you're going to be fending off rumors that he's going to the nfl every season he has that's successful so uh for the university of michigan it makes sense for brady hoke it makes sense. Um, some of the things that were a little bit confusing to me in this process was Les Miles and LSU both kind of seemed consigned to the fact that Les Miles was going to be leaving and going to Michigan. Um, apparently, the meeting up in Ann Arbor did not go quite as well as Mr. Miles had hoped, and uh, they left while somewhat, um, from what I understand, they were somewhat um, amiable in their parting um obviously the deal wasn't made actually i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to the harbaugh comment about him being able to leave you got to think if they would have got him there i don't think he would have left or or it would have taken a lot to get him to leave uh just because when you think of michigan you think of one of the most traditional schools in the ncaa they have this long history they have these huge coffers built up there they could throw so much more money at Jim Harbaugh to keep him there if 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 he would have went there that I I think they could have done it 
and I don't think you can't count Harbaugh out if, if something happens in the NFL where he, you know, say he doesn't do too well, or even if, you know, 10 years down the road, he's done with the NFL, he wants to come back. He, he there's that option. I, I don't think it's, it's done. I will probably be hearing about Harbaugh in Michigan uh, until he's done coaching. Yeah, you, you could be right. I think, I think the thing that we have to remember though, is, is, the only big name hire that Michigan has ever made as far as their coaching staff is concerned was Rich Rodriguez. And we saw how that turned out. I think this is actually a coaching staff who is, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, an athletic department who is a little bit hesitant to start throwing the money around again, because in the past they've been able to get bargain coaches that have worked out really well by staying within the organization and getting Michigan men to coach their Michigan boys uh, on the football team. And, and I, I, I think that, uh, I think that ultimately it's that mindset that prevailed rather than the paying the money it takes to keep a Jim Harbaugh in place or paying the money it takes to lure less miles away. Um, Brady Hoke is going to be their guy of the future. And uh, Hey, I can say from the bottom of my heart, I hope it doesn't work out. Well, we, we want them to be okay. Yeah, okay you want to feel, go, you feel good about one and They lose to Ohio State every year. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I have no problem with that. It'd be a lot I, like again, the 90s were. Except in reverse. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and again, like uh, for, for the Big Ten – to compete with the SEC is is you're gonna have to have solid coaches, and right now we we've seen this kind of lack of, of that in some instances, especially in the Rich Rod hire. Which yeah, he was a big name, but he wasn't their first choice. You know, they, they tried Les Miles, they tried even Greg Schiano from uh, Rutgers, and he didn't want to come there. So yeah, he was a big name, but he they still settled on him. But for the Big Ten. He, you have Michigan, you have Penn State. These are two programs who you kind of want to lean on to be your top teams. And yeah, football cycles, you're going to have that. But usually the, the the traditional programs, yeah, they'll have a year or two off, but they're right there. You know, it's it's not what happened to Michigan. This is not Michigan. This is not the Michigan I remember. And, and it's I'm glad that they got rid of Rich Rodriguez. And, and hopefully with Brady Hoke there, he can solidify some of the, the coaching and, and Hopefully, you know, for me, I, I want to see Joe Pa be the next one to be replaced. No harm to him, but just saying. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned that Brady Hoke was not their first choice. You mentioned, of course, that uh, Rich Rod wasn't their first choice. Um, I do feel obligated to tell you that I was trying very, very hard to get Ted Williams, the homeless man from Columbus, to replace you as my co-host, but I was not able to do it. So um, you luckily for home. you, um, you are still second on my list. So you're, yes. you're hanging in there, buddy. I'm all right with that. I'll take second as long as I'm here. <laughs> well, I think that's a show, guys. All righty. Well, this has been Sports on Point. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please send us your suggestions on how we can improve the show and comments to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. You can also call the show at 646-39-POINT. That's 646-397-6468. You guys, make sure you guys check out the website and hit it up on the comments. Thanks again, everybody, for listening, and have a wonderful week. I go eat cookies. Nom, nom, nom.